up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons. Each week, we, or a listener like you, writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com, come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs, and we have some fun talking about them. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week, we're going to be talking about some magic. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit with Ben when he was here, but uh, a lot has come out. Yeah. Uh, back then we were just guessing and hoping and, you know, all those other verbs and yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this week we know things. (laughs) We know things. It's the start of spoiler season. Congrats. But like, it's been like, it's been like high octane spoiler season. Yeah. We're literally two days into it. (laughs) Yeah. And there are so many freaking cards. I've woken up like uh, three mornings in a row now into a a commercial on Twitter. like, Hey, I know that person. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know them. <laughs> 100%. Just them pulling all the people they can. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, with it, if Magic the Gathering does not interest you, I apologize. This may not be the episode for you. But I, I encourage you to stick around uh, because we're going to be going over some of the spoilers and stuff. But we're also going to be talking about like how we see some of these things mm-hmm. working with thing, decks we already have or decks in the future. Yeah. And uh, full disclosure, not a sponsor. Also, uh, if you're interested in Magic, uh, but you have never played it, no idea where to start, may I recommend MTG Arena? Um, it's a uh, free to play. Essentially, you can mm-hmm. put some money into it, but you don't really need to as long as you kind of keep playing at it. They just started releasing it on mobile, by the way. Um, I have oh, downloaded yeah. it onto my phone, and I have played yeah. it a bit. Took me back to my Hearthstone days when I played it on my phone then. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun and easy to get into. Um, and you don't have to spend a lot of money, unlike when you buy physical cardboard cards. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And it takes up less space. <laughs> it does take up less space. Yeah. So if you're interested, um, we aren't going to go into necessarily the mechanics of how to play uh, Magic or anything like that. But if you want to know all that good stuff, I would recommend Magic Arena or even just watching people who stream uh, playing Magic. Mm-hmm. That would also help, too. Yeah. Yeah. That would, it would be interesting to like because I, I, we did an episode. Well, I did an episode with Dusty a uh, long time ago for his old Pokemon show, Prize Count, where we actually played a game of Pokemon while doing an episode. Oh, wow. It'd be kind of funny to like when the set comes out, record an episode where we're playing a game. <laughs> We'd be in person. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> we're still not in person, by the way, listeners. We're still at our own homes, namely because. A lot more convenient. I was gonna say it's just mostly convenient at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So where do you want to start with this? Because man, there's a lot. So I think I want to start with the brand new things that have been introduced to Magic: The Gathering within this set. Yes. Um, it's okay. at least new to the concept of Magic, and/or is now newly legal to play. Yes. In games such as Commander. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The first one, which is highly iconic that I want to talk about to D&D, but not as much to magic except for the unsets and the April Fool's stuff, is mm-hmm. rolling dice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, if you've seen those little commercials, you know, with B-Dave out there and all those people, uh, yeah, rolling a D20 and not not your usual, you know, like countdown die, like an actual mm-hmm. D20 is a part okay. of this game. I had I had the biggest question in my head today. 
Does that mean we're getting an actual D20 in the fat packs? Yes. We're going to be getting it in the <gasps> pre-release. They are sending out actual D20s instead of the countdown dice. Shit. Crap. I got to go to that now. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> so all the pre-release will come out with the D20s, which um, is pretty nice. Yeah. And 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 the mechanics for it is is pretty wild because there's some cards like let me go down to the artifacts. I'm trying not to look at everything because there's cards here in the spoilers that I haven't <laughs> even seen and I'm going to freak out about. And I want to freak out about it you know, on on, yeah. on the air. There, there are so a like, few that- cards that I specifically want to <gasps> point out when it comes to rolling dice. Uh- <laughs> well, w- w- which one you got? So first, I want to bring up. Uh, a, a simple one that I think was spoiled just the other day, but it's the, uh, oh God, what is it called? It's not, is it treasure chest? Treasure chest. Yeah, I yeah. got it right here. Uh, so treasure chest is a uh, three uh, colorless mana artifact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a pay for sacrifice treasure chest, roll a D20. On a one, it's trapped. You lose three life. On a two to a nine, create five treasure tokens. And treasure tokens are the ones that can be tapped and sacked for mana, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you tap and sack it for mana. Okay. For any uh, color then, mana, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and then 10 to 19 is you gain three life and draw three cards. And then a, a nat 20, because we get to say that now in mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering, which is pretty damn sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put the card into your hand, then shuffle. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that one in particular is fantastic. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not only do you have just fantastic mana ramping, uh, you also get just card draw. You get tutoring from an artifact. Okay. We, we we should probably, because not everyone's probably listening to this that plays MTG, MTG. we should probably uh, uh, explain some of the keywords as we okay. go over it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So mana ramping is the, the act of getting mana to spend to play cards faster so anything that's like play an extra land or you know get an extra landfall or anything like that that's mana ramping um and then tutoring is uh that's because of a card called demonic tutor which back in the day i believe was the only card that let you search your deck for another card and either put it in your hand or onto the Mm -hmm. battlefield um so that's just searching your deck for a specific card is called tutoring in magic Sorry, yeah. lesson over. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. So it's really fun and important to get life in whatever uh, flavor of magic you're playing, whether it be commander, brawl, or regular standard. Uh, mm-hmm. Mana drives the entire game. In order to cast spells, you need mana most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so just easy two to nine, like create five treasure tokens. That's five mana. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention they're, tokens specifically and you can really kind of play up the token concept and this is a regular artifact by the way it's not legendary which means you can copy it yep (laughs) which means if you're playing in standard you could have four of these in a deck and if you can bust out five treasure tokens (laughs) in one turn (laughs) the next turn you're gonna have so much mana you won't know what to do and then on top of that, the 10 to 19, like you've got this huge play, like 2 to 19, where you're either getting a lot of mana or drawing three cards. It's it's a huge amount. It's like what, like yeah. 80, it's like 90% chance to do something really good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's no wonder it's a gosh, I I terrible at the rarity system. It's gold is rare. It, yeah, it's gold. Gold is rare. Yeah. Yeah. It's no wonder it's a rare. Like it's it's a fantastic card. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I wanted to bring that one up because it's it's a perfect card that will be being thrown into like all of my commander decks that I can't afford. Yeah. Because I love it a lot. <laughs> the the other thing though, while we're on the topic of the dice rolling, is there's a few cards. Um, actually, let me see if I can find Delina. Um, <clears throat> Delina got spoiled uh the other day, and um. Oh my god, there she is. Okay, so Delina says, whenever Delina the Mage attacks, uh, choose target creature. Um, oh wait, no, this wasn't... Okay, she's still cool, uh, which is like, uh, uh, choose target creature you control, then roll a d20. And 1 to 14, cre- uh, create a tapped uh, and attacking token of that co- uh, that is a copy of that creature, except it has... Uh, it doesn't have legendary, and it has exile this creature at the end of combat. Then fifteen to twenty is create one of those tokens, then roll again. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she had the thing I was thinking about talking about, but she doesn't. Uh, I've seen a few cards that say whenever you roll one or more die. That's ah. interesting to me. Okay, so there's a couple of things that I want to point out. That w- that leads me into the one of the other cards I wanted to talk about. Uh, an example of one of these cards is called the Feywild Trickster. Uh, she's a two and a blue, no Morlock two two. Um, oh, oh, that that's the, uh, the I think that was one I was tweeting about. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. So whenever you roll one or more dice, create a there one one is. blue fairy dragon creature with token with flying, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. I love that. That's really cute. Um, there's another card that I want to talk about. That's called Pixie Guide. Uh, she's a one three fairy, only costing a one and a blue. She has flying, but she also has the keywords grant and advantage, which is as fun as you think it is. (laughs) Oh, if you would roll one or more dice, instead roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest result. Are you freaking kidding me? You know, advantage is in here. You know, what's the most fun part about this card? It stacks. (laughs) Oh, so you could have. If you're playing standard, you could have four of these out mm-hmm. because, uh, again, for listeners who may not be playing Magic Gathering, in standard, you can have four of the same card. So you have four of these out and basically have four times advantage. Yeah. Or with Delina, you can copy her. <laughs> and oh then you can suddenly God. roll with advantage and roll with double advantage. The, the the fabled double advantage where you roll three dice or even four. <laughs> that is awesome yeah suddenly that that nat 20 looks like it's it's chances are getting a little bit higher and higher (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so that was one of the other ones that i wanted to talk about because that card alone turns the entire concept from like oh rolling a d20 it's five percent chance it's pretty good to oh my god you get advantage because not only is it such a cool way to bring in the D &D, like feel into magic the gathering it's just such a perfect way to do it yeah and yeah. so magic the gathering released this article <laughs> in case you didn't know mtg releases articles um mm-hmm. one of them was talking in a really cute way about how they came up with the idea for rolling dice in magic the gathering and mm-hmm. they were a little hesitant because before the players didn't really enjoy doing that they mostly 
enjoy not bothering with that because it kind of feels a little too random. Mm-hmm. When uh, Corey Bowen, uh, who is part of the Magic the Gathering like team of development, pretty much like, let's let's just roll the dice. Let's roll a d20. And he had experience designing the coin flip cards in Modern Horizons mm-hmm. 1. And the issue that he found with the coin flip cards, he disliked them because they could completely screw the caster. And he yeah. wanted to avoid spending mana and a card on a spell only for it to do absolutely nothing and set you behind or worse, hurt you. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, with a few exceptions, uh, they wanted the ability effects within the dice to not completely change the outcome of the spell. Mm-hmm. So if the job is t- of the spell is to gain life, it'll gain life. If it's to create a token, mm-hmm. it should create a token. And so they wanted to avoid something like a two damage burn spell that would upgrade into a four damage burn spell. But let's say you targeted a four toughness creature only for the spell to low roll and put you out of luck. <laughs> yeah. So like Goblin Morningstar, uh, it's a one in a red artifact equipment. Pretty much equipped creature gets plus one plus zero and has trample. And to equip it, it costs a one in a red. But when this artifact enters the battlefield, roll a d20. One through nine, you make a token, which is a red goblin. Pretty neat. But if you roll mm-hmm. 10 through 20, you create that goblin, but then you can also attach Goblin Morningstar to it for free. Nice. So it's just a bonus effect, not so much as like the coin flips where I think there was like this rogue mm-hmm. where you flip a coin and for every time you you call heads or tails and every time you win you gain three life and every time you lose you lose six life or something like that and discard a card yeah and it felt like such a cruddy way to do it but the way that they worked with these d20 rolls is fantastic like lightfoot rogue is another one it's a halfling rogue which is really adorable by the way uh he's a two one uh one in a black to cast for this creature he's got sneak attack so whenever Mm -hmm. he attacks you roll a d20 he's got one through nine Gains death touch. 10 through 19 gets plus one plus zero and death touch. And if you mm-hmm. roll that nat 20, it gets plus three and plus zero and gains first strike and death touch until end of turn. Jesus. So I love it. This little sneak it. attack suddenly is very dangerous. <laughs> so it's like it's you're still going to get that death touch no matter what. But mm-hmm. the higher you roll, the just more better it feels and you don't lose out yeah. on it. You don't have to bet on it. I like. I know. I'm definitely biased here because you know this is D and D. This is the thing yeah. that I love talking about. We're literally on a show right now ta- that we talk about D and D every week. However, this is probably my favorite Magic set ever, just mechanically. Yeah. Like it feels fun and yeah. not just. It, it, it feels like it, it was made to be a fun thing instead of it being made to be a competitive thing. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm really here for because I don't care about competitive. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. I know. Well, it's not great because a lot of BS is happening with the competitive scene right now. But it, it I, I enjoy sitting down and playing games with friends. And this looks like the thing that I like about this is that it, it feels like I'm going to be excited even for the other player's turn. Yeah. And I think that's what really, really gets me. And that is what brings you to a fun game to play. Yes. Is when you're excited to just play the game as a whole, not just waiting for your turn to come around. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. 
And like, and, um, and this is even, we're, we're saying this even before we get into like the flavor cards and how all those new ability words are coming into to play. <laughs> yes. Um, and actually, I think that was a good time to talk about the other big mechanic that's coming into this, which is venture into the dungeon, which ah. I cannot believe they did. <laughs> I yeah. genuinely cannot believe this is a real thing that exists. So occasionally, uh, actually, there was one that was right up here. So here is Triumphant Adventurer. He costs one plains and one swamp. Uh, he's a creature, human knight, death touch. As long as it's your turn, Triumphant Adventurer has first strike. Whenever Triumphant Adventurer attacks, venture into the dungeon, which says in parentheses in italics, uh, enter the first room or advance to the next room. And essentially... There are currently three, and I believe it's only going to be three, which I'm a little little heartbroken about, but um, there are three dungeon cards mm -hmm. that uh, exist outside of the game. They're not in your sideboard. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not in anything else. They're just outside of the game. And whenever you venture into the first room, you choose one dungeon and set them into the command zone. Now, listener that doesn't know what Magic the Gathering is, I could sit here and explain to you what the command zone is, but it is batshit crazy. And I'm sorry, just know that there is a place called the command zone. Imagine and it comes... there's a little pocket dimension that is yes. and isn't there all at the same time. <laughs> Nothing can target it. Uh, yeah. So you, you you put the the dungeon card into the command zone. And uh, for example, so the, the three that they have is Lost Minds of Phandelver, the Tomb of Annihilation, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Mm -hmm. In order to explain how this works without a visual, which I do suggest you go to where my mythicspoiler.com to, to look at these while I'm talking about them. Uh, here's how uh, Lost Minds of Phandelver works. So the first room, so it actually has a map on it. Here's the thing. It's got a map. Yeah. Okay? Which uh, is completely out of <laughs> the Magic the Gathering's design queue. Like yeah. they have the border of the card and that's as where it just stops with yeah. where it shares and just common features. It, it, you can even see like the squares and some environmental stuff under it. Um, so the first room in Blast Minds of Fendelver, every time you enter a room, they tell you to have a little token that you can put on the room that you're in. Uh, as soon as you enter a room, the effect of that room instantly happens. So the first room is cave entrance, scry one. Scry, for those who don't know, is you look at the top card of your library, you can either put it on top, back on top or at the bottom. Um, and then when you adventure again, you have you now have the choice between two rooms, goblin lair or mine tunnels. And then from there, uh, you might have the option of storeroom and dark pool or dark pool and fungi cavern. But then they'll all take you to the last room which is Temple of Dumathoin, yeah, uh, which is just draw a card. Mm -hmm. um, each one of these rooms has its own effect. I don't want to go through each one of them and explain more mechanics. Um, and the fact that there is something else going on in the game that we're already playing, and it's another little thing that I get to choose about and have a little fun with, love it. Also, so, yeah, <laughs> the Tomb of Annihilation one. <laughs> the last room is Cradle of the Death God. Create the Atropal, a legendary 4-4 black god horror creature token with death touch. <laughs> there is another card, though, that's a creature that says anytime you enter a room in the dungeon, duplicate the effect once. Yep. So you can have two Atropals. Yep. I love it. So 
the, the, there's a few notes about the dungeons. So yeah, there there are and only will be three dungeons in this set. Um, Sad. Yeah, it is. I mean, for people who play D and D, yeah, it's like ah, oh, but what about this one? It's like okay, well, it's fine. So the thing about the dungeons is that you can only play in one at a time. Yes. And so certain creatures benefit when you finish a dungeon. Like there's a gargoyle out there that gets like a plus three plus zero if you finished a dungeon. So now you have to consider the idea longer dungeon, like Dungeon of the Mad Mage, has a really big payoff at the bottom. You can draw three cards and reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic because you could load your deck with cards that are really expensive, scry your way to them because the entire dungeon lets you scry throughout the whole way, and then play that card for free. Mm -hmm. But if your cards are decked out to be beneficial when you finish a dungeon, you could go for a shorter one, which the shortest one is Tomb of Annihilation, funny enough. Yeah. With only a possible three rooms that you go through. However, they're not the the first two would not be great. <laughs> yeah. So Tomb of Annihilation is fantastic dungeon because it's both themed right and uh there's a risk to it. Uh you could either take the shortcut and only take penalty for yourself. Or you could take an extra room and have everyone suffer the, the consequences. Mm-hmm. So depending on how your deck is built is depending on which dungeon you want to choose. Uh, yeah. And that's the neat thing. Whenever you do venture into the dungeon for the first time, you just choose which dungeon you get to go into. There's yes, no like specific I one. Love. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. And what's even more fun is that you can repeat dungeons. That's so good. Like, so good. technically, they're removed from the game, but that's only to remove all the counters that you have on it as you've moved through it. <laughs> but it, it, you can then choose, like, if you finish Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you can then choose it again. Yeah. I, I think the reason, though, why I am a little disappointed that there's only three is I hunt, like, I mainly like making commander decks now. Mm-hmm. Um but I desperately want to make a standard 60-card deck that is all about dungeon delving. Like, I want to make a Delver deck that is all about going yeah. through dungeons and buffing things with it. Oh, my God. I remember uh, watching Commander's Quarters, and they were talk- there was this comment that said, oh, yeah, the dungeon. And, like, the Dungeon Keeper card should make a comeback, but be a black-bordered card. Because before, it was a Planeswalker with a silver border. But... He should make a comeback, and if you finish all three dungeons, like, you should get a big payout or you win the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Mm-hmm. And that would be really cool. It's a possibility to see that kind of card out. Again, we haven't gone through all the spoiler season just yet. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and there has been an alternate, uh, I wouldn't call it win condition, but an alternate lose condition already out on the field. <laughs> That's true. Um. But yeah, the the dungeon mechanic is such a fun thing, and on top of that, there's your play. the The other players can't necessarily mess with you on your route through the dungeon. They can't mm-hmm. cancel the dungeon. They can't counter it. Yeah. They can't do anything. The only thing they can do is uh, stop activated abilities from happening. Like if a creature comes in, it's like enter the battlefield. You venture into the dungeon. There are cards out there yeah. that keep enter the battlefield effects from happening. So that's the only way that other players can mess with that mechanic, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate because there's still a slight way to deal with it. But at the same time, this is you and your fight. You got to get through that yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
which I, um, I just I really like the dungeon mechanic. It's a it's a fun one. Oh yeah, no, it's it's genuinely one of my favorite things about this set. Besides seeing so many creatures and characters and spells that I know so well, and I kind of represented on these cards. <laughs> I kind of low key wish that there'd be like the DMs Guild, but for Magic the Gathering, so people who are really familiar with Magic the Gathering could also write dungeon cards. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that would be so fun. Just like, oh, what what's one of your favorite dungeons? Let's, let me just make that into a balance card for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I, I think I think before we get into like decks and stuff like that, I think we should talk about just a few cards that we see in here that are really sparking just either joy or interest. Oh yeah. Um cause like one of them that I saw in here that like I literally had to mute my mic because I gasped. Uh, is the uh, let me get the right word the black staff of water deep? Yes, it is a blue legendary artifact and it's got Vajra on it with the staff and with this like Dutch angle on her with water deep around her. And it's you, uh, you may choose not to untap the black staff of water deep during your untap step, uh, and then animated walking statue. Pay one of anything and an island tap another target non-black artifact you control becomes a four-four artifact creature for as long as the black staff of water deep remains tapped. Activate only as a sorcery. <laughs> so you actually get to make a freaking walking statue of water deep. Yep, I love it. I love it so much. And I kind of th- feel like they might. They haven't re- revealed anything like this yet, but I feel like they might make legendary lands and make them the cities. That would be wild. Because that would be absolutely wild. That would be cool because if there's like water deep, you could tap it for like a blue, or you could tap it to create a like like a, a Griffin Calvary soldier or something. Yeah, or just like here's an artifact walking statue that is a zero four. Yeah. I mean the 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 only thing though is that they there are already some gold lands. Uh there is Den of the Bugbear, Cave of the Frost Dragon, Hive of the Eye Tyrant. Ah uh, yeah, we um, haven't even talked about those yet. <laughs> yeah, which, which it, it's it's wild having a land area that is a location and then also creates creatures. Uh like uh Hive of the Eye Tyrant Pay three and a swamp until the end of your turn. Uh, Hive of the Eye Tyrant becomes a 3-3 Black Beholder creature with menace. And whenever this creature attacks, exile target card from the defending player's graveyard. It's still a land. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them are just turning them into a creature. I, I, That is so cool. Yeah. it's. <laughs> um, oh, you know who was uh, revealed recently that I want to mention? Hmm. Uh, a planeswalker, <laughs> mm-hmm. Zariel, Archduke Zariel. of Avernus. <laughs> yeah, she is. I see her right here. Yeah. So, uh, so planeswalkers, uh, if you are unfamiliar with Magic: The Gathering, basically is a different card type. Uh, you yourself in the meta of Magic: The Gathering are a planeswalker casting spells to fight another planeswalker. So when you cast a Planeswalker, that is another target with their own health. Yes. Uh, So when players are fighting against you, they can now either target you or the Planeswalker you control. 
And if and the planeswalkers generally have like OP abilities, <laughs> yeah, because they're they're supposed to be pretty good cards. Uh, mm-hmm. When uh, Ravnica and came out the third time, <laughs> they they're... release a lot of lower level planeswalkers, so that way planeswalkers can be more of a concept and more in the meta which of is, things. Which is how I have a planeswalker commander deck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it seems like now that we've kind of moved further and further away from uh, Ravnica, and I'm sure as soon as it gets out of, well, what I'm saying, it did get out of standard, um, mm-hmm. we're no longer going to see those cheap planeswalkers anymore. But yeah. Zariel, uh, she starts with four uh, loyalty or health, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can add one uh, to get to the health. Uh, creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain haste until end of turn, which is fantastic. Uh mm-hmm. There's a zero, so she doesn't gain or lose any health, but you create a 1-1 red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Love it. Which is fantastic. And then for minus six, so if her loyalty is high enough that you can bring her down to minus six, you get an emblem with at the end of your first combat phase, untap target creature you control. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase. Fucking shit. Okay, so I have to rant about this real quick. That's uh-huh. a really cool ability and amazing. I fucking hate emblems. You hate emblems? <laughs> I fucking hate emblems. They're the stupidest thing. Okay, so here, here here's my thing about emblems uh, that I will, I will explain what they are and why I hate them. Emblems, like it says, you get an emblem with, and a bunch of planeswalkers have these. The problem is there's no way to counter them. There is no way to get rid of them afterwards, and even if the player dies that cast it in your in the multiplayer game, the emblem sticks around. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. Um, it does not count as a permanent. It does not count as anything. It's you're just stuck with it, and it is like like I said, planeswalkers are OP, but emblems are too OP, and that is ridiculous. Like if you yeah. got that in a in a commander game, it's over. Like especially if you got a swing heavy deck. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, it's like oh, I just get two uh, attack phases every turn. Screw you. <laughs> yeah the uh, the emblems are kind of overpowered when it comes to things, and certain planeswalkers have them, and certain ones don't. <laughs> yeah, my my group. We started uh, actually playing with the rule that uh, emblems do count as permanents. Oh, wow. Um, and so any card that says, uh, you know, sac- or destroy target permanent, you could actually get rid of an emblem. Okay. Uh, but because target permanent things aren't as common, that's how we felt it was balanced. Um. But still, Zariel Planeswalker, I freaking love it. Uh, we talked about Lolth being a Planeswalker last time. And then we have uh, uh, Eliwek Tumblestrum, who is a bard. Uh, and it was really cool because Idle Champions actually got to announce her because she's also coming to Idle Champions. Yeah. Um, and a par- I found out her backstory, and I love it. <laughs> she found the deck of many things and pulled the wish card from it. And her wish was to be the greatest bard in the multiverse. Yep. And she then became the greatest bard in the multiverse. Which is the best bard backstory I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It is so bardy. It's so good. Yeah. I'm I'm in love with it. 
Um, let's see. What what are some other cards in here that I'm just I'm, I'm seeing real quick? We got we got chromatic dragons. We got some. We have some metallic. Uh, purple worm is in here actually with a really cool thing. Um, so purple worm is two forest and five mana. Uh, this card costs two less for each creature that died this turn. It's pretty cool because you're like baiting it out. Mm-hmm. And then it has ward two. Oh, Whenever yeah. this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter it unless the target uh, unless the player pays two mana. Now, that's really cool. It's an 8-7. Really neat. However, there's also the Tarask, <laughs> uh, which actually I found out pissed a lot of people off because it, its creature type is dinosaur, and a lot of people did not like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious that people were getting up in arms about that. But the thing that's wild about it, uh, it is when the Tarask enters the battlefield, if it was cast, it gains haste and ward 10. Mm-hmm. If you want to hit it with anything, you have to pay 10 mana extra. Yeah. If, if you want to hit it with any kind of spell, you have to. Yeah. Well, any targeted spell, board yeah. wipes would still get rid of it, but and board wipes is uh, destroy all creatures. That's the best way to describe it. It just doesn't target anything; just destroys everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever the Tarask fights, it fights target creature defending player controls. Yep, I'm sorry. Like, Did you, you like your defense? <laughs> I love it. Um, um. So there's also all the dragons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've got. Like, and the artwork for all these dragons is fantastic. Um, Freaking amazing. Yeah, you've got green, black, you've got a legendary white dragon, you've got a Draco Lich, which is a zombie dragon, which has flash, by the way. Well, so, so the <laughs> wild thing about those last two that you said there is they're named dragons. Yeah. Um. And and uh, um, uh, Dylan from Codename Entertainment was telling me that the and I didn't know this that Draco Lich, uh, uh, Ebon Death is from like second edition. Like they that has that creature has not been seen in like three editions, and it popped up as a magic card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and then Icing Death, which is a fantastic card to play because when this dragon dies, you get. <laughs> Icing Death, Frost Tongue, a legendary equipment artifact token with a crypt creature goes plus two plus zero, and when a crypt creature attacks, oh. tap target creature defending player controls. That's so cool. So you get a Frost Tongue from the dragon. <laughs> ah, that I I'm I want Clouth. I know it's cool that we got two named dragons. I want Clouth. I need it. It needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, I would love uh just all five named dragons. That would be really neat. Oh yeah, get Imrith in there. Oh, yeah. That just it, it would be neat. They they have Driss, they have Brunor. Like get get him in there, you know. <laughs> um. Oh, what was that other creature I wanted to talk about? Oh, there is not a creature, but the Book of Vile Darkness. Oh, the the wording on this is so good. So. At the beginning of your end step, if you lost two or more life, create a two-two black zombie creature token, which. In and of itself, fantastic. Just automatically get a zombie token pretty much at every end step. Because if you're playing with black mana, you're probably going to sack yourself some life. But then this artifact has just to tap, you exile this card. And artifacts you control named Eye of Vecna and Hand of Vecna, Mm -hmm. 
You then create Vecna, a legendary 8-8 black zombie god creature token with indestructible, and it gains all triggered abilities of the exiled cards. Let's freaking go. Oh, my God. You can create a Vecna deck. (laughs) Ah! And I love it, too, because... If that's the only way that we get Vecna, that is so good for the game. Yeah. Because, yeah, you would see, like, Vecna commander decks and crap. The fact that we have to work to get that the one of the most powerful enemies of the multiverse into it, perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. No, it's, um, it's fantastic. Uh, there's some other legendary creatures that are named legendary creatures that might not be as famous, but there is Grazalax. Um He's a mind flayer. <laughs> yep. Uh, which I love. Uh, but pretty much he's a one in blue, blue horror legendary creature. But he's he's an illithid. He's a mind flayer. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. And whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So Grazalax, uh, for canon reasons, uh, he actually helped Regis and Drist fight the Demogorgon. <laughs> oh. Um, during the demonic crisis, pretty much. And so, because he was going to lose out if the demons won in anyways, so he's like, yeah, I'll help him out. I love his flavor text. You studied hard. How delicious. Yes. <laughs> uh, for those of you that have played the Neverwinter MMO, you might recognize this man if you've played the <laughs> the Into the Abyss uh, adventures. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, he's there. He's hanging out in the Underdark. Nice. But there are a ton uh, of artifacts in here that are so flavorful. Like the Orb of Dragonkind. <laughs> oh, I know. So good. Mm-hmm. The, the Deck of Many Things is in there. That's Bag the one of holding. I wanted to mention the Deck of Many Things specifically, kind of, because that's the one where you can get that alternate win slash lose condition. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much like... If you roll a nat 20 with zero cards in your hand uh, using the deck of many things, then you can put a creature card from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And when that creature dies, its owner loses the game. Mm-hmm. Which is just fantastic. <laughs> I'm a sucker for alternate win conditions and doing yeah. that three times sounds fun throw out all the fairies to get me as much advantage as possible and just give me the deck of many things i'm going to draw as much as i can (laughs) um Um, let's see the 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 other legendary creatures that i wanted to mention though is so we talked about tiamat last time xanathar guild uh kingpin volo guide to monsters farida is in this freaking aaron m evans's character uh she looks freaking awesome Mm -hmm. uh orcas prince of undeath yeah. Uh, I'm just, oh my God. You've got I'm Targnar, so Demon Fang, Knoll. <laughs> yeah. Got, you got Kirtle, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Kirtle of Baldur's Gate. Uh, you've got Oswald Fiddlebender, who, by the way, may b- just be one of the best mono white commanders that has come out in recent times. <laughs> oh, I got to find him. Yeah. Uh, he, he pretty much ramps artifacts into your hand. <laughs> Ooh, yes, please. Yeah. Um, who was it up there? It was one of the people I wanted to talk about earlier. There's the Orcus. Orcus is in here too as a legendary yeah, creature. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yep. Oh, Volo. Mm-hmm. Volo is a legendary creature. 
that has been spoiled. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of I wanted to go over him because he he introduces something that is like can just double your value in your entire deck. Uh, so Volo Guide to Monsters is his full name. Uh, he's two green and blue. He's a three two human wizard, which you know you could argue against. But anyways, whenever <laughs> you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. So, if you throw a dragon into the mix and you don't have any dragons in your graveyard or that you can currently control, you get a copy of that dragon. Mm. And (laughs) this can be done so well. (laughs) (laughs) And there are so many ways. Uh, There's like, I think it's called Spark Double, where you pretty much can copy any card that you choose and it comes in. And whatever the copy is, it's no longer a legendary card. So you can have Volo twice. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's uh, that's Delina. Yeah, and you could also have, yeah, you could do that too. And mm-hmm. it's like you can just ramp up Volo <laughs> and suddenly mm-hmm. you're doubling everything. You can really bring in Landfall into this deck because he's green-blue and green is all about bringing in land. And so I... I actually, I actually had Dragon Heist sitting right next to me, uh, you know, because I'm just surrounded by D and D books at any given moment. Um, I actually looked up; he does have spell casting, and it says that it is from the Wizard spell list. Hey, look at that! I did not realize that Volo had Wizard spells. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a studious man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I want to talk about Xanthar, but I want to talk about Xanthar leading us into some deck building conversation because a lot of people have been talking about Xanthar as uh a just broken commander already oh he's Um, he's how you lose friends (laughs) yes so xanathar uh guild kingpin is a legendary creature beholder at the beginning of your upkeep choose target opponent until the end of that player's uh until the end of turn that player can't cast spells you may look at the top card of their library anytime you may play the top card of their library and you may spend mana as though it were the mana of any color to cast that spell this way mm-hmm. what yeah so that's um, ridiculous not only is it card advantage because you have another card to play off of. Uh, it's also just you're playing with another deck and you're making them lose out on cards. Hey, is this a ramp spell that you really desperately needed? Sorry, I'm taking that. <laughs> like, yeah. there's so many ways that this card is so mean. Um, a, a slight different note, I follow pretty much as many of the Magic the Gathering artists I can on Twitter. The artist mm-hmm. for this one said he tried really hard to exemplify the Xanathar's Guide to Everything cover. And he tried to put oh. it into this card. And honestly, he succeeded. <laughs> nice. So it's like you've got the Xanathar who's just slyly grinning out looking over. And you got Silgar there. And the colors and everything match up perfectly to the Xanathar's Guide. But that's a side note. They, I, I do. I I love the image because it kind of reminds me of like Jabba's palace. Yeah, <laughs> with all the people around it and everything. So um, uh, I want to point but, out this: the card colors are blue black. Yeah, this is a common theme with this color combo is to be very mean to your to your opponents like this. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it's with mill or something of that flavor, but this is straight up stealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, 
if you think about it and not too hard, uh, that's the Xanathar for you. They're mm-hmm. they're thieves. They're <laughs> kind of a plague among the city. So there you go. It fits perfectly to the theme. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I like again. Like we're this conversation's as far as my side is going to go is probably going to be more commander wise because I I really do like commander and I love the way that commander works and to think about it and. As far as legendary creatures go, there's just so many in here that I want to build a deck around. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the idea of of trying to find a way to do... Uh, I mean, granted, right now we only have two of them, but, like, if we did get Catabri and Wolfgart, which I feel like we have to, like, yeah. building a Champions of the Hall commander deck. Um, I Like, Farida could actually be uh, a pretty cool commander, I think. Uh, whatever, uh, whatever you roll a die, uh, she gets menace and flying until end of turn. If, uh, any of those results are 10 or higher draw card, mm-hmm. like if you could build a, cause she, she is uh red blue. If you can get enough boost cards in there and uh, you could actually have her as the main attacker. Yeah. Which I think could be really fun. Um, but yeah, like like even besides that, I want to build like as far as standard goes, I want to build a Delver deck. Oh I, yeah, I think that would be really freaking cool. But like, what what what's some stuff that's going through your head with cards that you're seeing? So, uh, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I, I build a ton of commander decks. Uh, <laughs> casually looks behind me and sees the fifteen I've made, and <laughs> like I I constantly forget that there are other, you know deck types out there like standard and i was thinking mm-hmm. like oh the fairy one would be really neat because that would be a good card in the commander but then i realized you could have four of them in standard yeah and just build a standard dice throwing deck yeah <laughs> and it would be completely legal and you could mm-hmm. just have a ton of fun with it yeah and like you could also just dive into the un sets too and just if you if your friends don't care that you're playing with silver bordered cards you could have a lot of fun with all these cards mm-hmm. and but, oh yeah yeah but like definitely the dice concept i love that and it kind of it would throw my play style to the wind because i generally plan a lot but the dice although it doesn't take away from your plans it introduces options that you weren't expecting yes <laughs> so it's like your your hopes can never be dashed. They can only be mm-hmm. gotten better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, so the, the I, I like that, that. Yeah. The the thing that I am like a little sad about is uh with the exception of Tiamat, everything is so far is two colored. Um, which I think is probably gonna be how most everything goes with it. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is that Tiamat's really cool and it's it's flavored so well, but she's not gonna be a good commander. Like, what? I disagree with you 100%. So so for, for those listening that, that didn't hear the last one, uh, she is uh, one of each color mana plus two of any. So she's seven mana total. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- flying when Tiamat enters the battlefield. If you cast it, search your library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that each have different names. Reveal them, put them in your hand, then shuffle. And it's uh, a, she's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yep. Now, the the reason I don't think she's a great commander is because she costs seven mana, and anytime she dies and goes to the command zone, she's going to cost two more every time you bring her out. 
And if she put the dragons on the field, that would be a whole other story. But considering that, like, so let, let's see here. The uh, ice uh, icing death is uh, he's four mana. That's not too bad. So is uh, that one. Or do we actually get no? So then red dragon is six mana. Uh, where's the green dragon? Most of the time, dragons are pretty darn expensive. And so the fact that they're getting put into your hand, I feel, is kind of eh. Ah, see, that's where you got to think ahead of the box. You have to choose oh, again, yeah. specific dragons that can make things cheaper. Uh, there are a few yeah. specific cards. Granted, they're expensive. But Tiamat's already expensive, by the way. She's going for $23 on TCG Player right now. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. So if you're already making a Tiamat dragon deck, you're already in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> While you're shopping, get Morophon, the Boundless. He's a shapeshifter, technically a dragon. When he oh, yeah. enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. And then spells of the chosen type cost just all five colors less to cast. So then you load the deck with multicolored dragons, which historically in Magic the Gathering are loaded with multicolored dragons. Yeah. Some dragons are even like, hey, I cost a green, a red, a black, and a blue, and one mana. All of a sudden, you have Morophon out, and that dragon only costs one to cast. There's a dragon mm. that can reduce dragon costs by one. You pull that dragon out when you pull Tiamat and Morophon, and a few other ones, too. And suddenly, you're casting dragons for free. <laughs> Jesus. This is not necessarily my idea. I'm going to put that out there. If you want to see how to actually do this and spend all your money on Magic the Gathering immediately, look at Commander's Quarters. <laughs> he actually released a video on Tiamat as soon as she was spoiled. Really? Mm -hmm. What? Well, that's... See, that's the thing. Like, okay, let, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it. Tiamat's not a good commander for me. Yeah. Um, Because I recently realized... I'm not going to go in because it'll take way too much time and it's not that interesting. But, like, I realized that, like, some things of ADHD is why I suck with some decks of Magic the Gathering. So now I know what type of decks I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of one... It's not going to work for me. See, like that's I, I've actually talked with this about with my friends too. like just how there's a play style that you incorporate while playing D&D. &D. There's a play style for when you play Magic the Gathering. Yes. yes. Some people really love the combos. Some people really love the engines that they have to build and get it set up and going. And some people just like to hit really hard. And some people just like to have a lot of land it's <laughs> it's good to have land <laughs> yeah you know it's you got to figure out your play style when it comes to magic the gathering just like you got to figure yeah. out your play style in D, D. but um there is one last thing about all these card spoilers spoils that i want to talk about before we uh mm -hmm. continue on and it's the choose your own adventure flavor of the entire concept of this set uh, there are a ton of cards that have been revealed that have three options upon them. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them, for example, 50 feet of rope. It's an artifact. It has oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three abilities. You can climb over, you can tie up, or you can rappel down. And if you climb over, you could tap and target wall can't block this turn. <laughs> you could tie up I love that. and target creature doesn't untap during the controller's next untap step. Or you could repel down and you could venture into the dungeon. 
And then there's like spell cards, like you see a pair of goblins. You can choose one, charge them or befriend them. <laughs> I hadn't seen that. That's so good. There's choose your weapon. Choose one, two weapon fighting or archery. And there's gelatinous cube. So like they've, the, they have like the creature cards have like ability which are flavored to the actual creatures themselves like gelatinous cube has engulf <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a very similar effect to what the card does to what the creature does in D&D and like guild thief has cunning action and they can't be blocked mm-hmm. this turn this cleric has cure wounds dispel magic and gentle repose and you could choose one when it enters the battlefield there's this other spell like all the spells names are pretty much what the dungeon keeper would say like hey this happened what do you do yeah and the cards give you the options it's a fu- it's the most fun choose your own adventure that i've seen in magic the gathering that i don't think i've yeah. seen anywhere else no that that is really true and and i like i like the fact like with 50 feet of rope it i believe it's tap and sack because i can't find it. oh there it is yeah it's not sack um, you just tap oh no it's not Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. The The most fun one to me is you come to a river because I just have flashbacks to <laughs> my group who couldn't get across a river. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's everyone's group. And it's like you can choose one. Fight the current or find a crossing. <laughs> it, you see so a guard good. approach. Distract the guard or hide. <laughs> when When you summon the dwarf barbarian, who's called the plundering barbarian, you could either smash mm-hmm. the chest or pry it open. Yeah, like there are so many things like that where you you really do get to choose your own adventure, and I feel like it's getting into the heart of throwing D and D into a card game. Yeah, and the the, it's the thing the thing like I, I I know I said this when Ben was on. I'm gonna be absolutely now, especially after seeing all these mechanics. I'm gonna be absolutely heartbroken if this doesn't get a second set. Um, like there's so much work and love that got put into this that if we don't get another set it's it's just wasted because they're going to stop printing these cards you know eventually after it goes out of standard and there's so many good ideas here i i'll be honest there's enough good ideas here that are so different from magic the gathering they could just pivot to a D card game on its own they could they honestly could and <laughs> dream right like wish in the wall like yeah if they could make a whole new game that is using the rules of magic the gathering but also dungeons and dragons purely i think they would make a ton of money off of that here here's my pie in the sky one uh some listeners may uh remember a short-lived card game called world of warcraft the card game (laughs) and I only found out about this way too late into it. I still, I think I actually, yeah, I actually have two little boxes up there of them. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is that they actually had raid decks. Mm -hmm. So you and your friends could get a deck together with your hero and actually do a raid with this giant stack of cards. And dude, that would be the coolest freaking thing if you all made a deck based around, you know, some D&D character ventured into the dungeon and just had a card game against a giant stack of danger, I would love that. You still get some D&D stuff in there. You're still rolling dice because there's some cards in here that require dice. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I would I would pay all the money. <laughs> all the money. <laughs> so there are like game types that aren't actually like canon, so to speak, in the Magic the Gathering universe, uh that are fun to play. And I'm tempted to see what'll come out of this set. Like instead of way back when, uh when uh Ixalan came out, they actually released mm-hmm. a board game. That was similar to like Catan, where you had to go and conquer little tiles and you actually played with full decks against everyone else on the board. I would love if they did something similar like that or just making it up ourselves, because I've done that with what I was about to talk to now, of like making a Champions of the Hall game where it's like Mm. you build four decks based off of the four champions, so to speak. You got Brunor, Driss, Caterbri, and Wolfgar, right? And then... You have them face off against, you know, the main bad guy, the big bad, like whether yeah. it be Tiamat or Vecna, you have to stop Vecna from coming in. Like you could build a huge adversary deck. And I think that's what they're called. I think they're called adversary decks where it's like you play co-op against them. That was a really old version of it. I have the the most recent updated version of that, which is called Arch Enemy that they did with Nico Bolas. Mm-hmm. And there's an arch enemy deck that is larger cards that allows the person playing Nico Bolas to be even more evil on their turn and their and the and the other players' turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think something like that would be amazing. But again, if this is the only set of D D magic we get, that's gonna suck. Like that's gonna that's yeah. just like it's gonna be it's gonna be so bittersweet because these cards are so cool and there's so many things that we love in them, so many characters that we love and creatures that to not see it go forward at all, that would just be that would be that would hurt. I feel like what they're gonna do next is gonna be based off of how much money they make off of this. And I feel yeah. like because they're tapping into the other half of their <laughs> target audience. Wizards of the Coast, yeah. speaking of, like, they're going to get a ton of money off of this set. And I think they might treat yeah. it like Modern Horizons, where they're like, well, we did it before. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. It won't be like a full thing. Like, I think they'll probably do it like once every couple of years. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. Because this is the first time. And, and one of the things I was worried about when we first talked about the spoilers was that they didn't communicate with each other. This yeah. finally feels like they're communicating. The two sides are working together here. It does feel that way, yeah. So I, I feel like based off of sales and putting it out there, I've already seen people who had never had an interest in Magic the Gathering talking about how they want to buy a ton of cards. Mm-hmm. I feel like the sales I, are going to be way high. Full disclosure, I have two boxes pre-ordered. <laughs> Spencer and I are probably going to pre-order two each. It's yeah. it's just going to be a thing. Like, yeah. I want all the lands just to... I, I said this on Twitter. I want all the lands just to frame. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they look fantastic. There's 10 towns as a planes card. And I'm like, I want that. <laughs> yeah. And there's also... The, so we didn't even get into it, but there's a lot of alternate art ones. Because I don't really like that they do that. Um, and there's some, there's some lands like Evolving Wilds that has like a classic module D look to it and everything like that so there's gonna be a lot of cool neat artwork that comes out of this but again i don't really like that they do that in charge board for the packs that have those in them oh um, um something my buddy marcos pointed out all the you know the art cards that come with the expensive packs yeah they actually are going to have the statistics 
of that, uh, like that spell or what have you, like the equivalent on the back side instead of just being mm-hmm. MTG card one out of like 85. <laughs> It'll actually have mm. like a D&D use to it. <laughs> mm, neat. Which I think neat. is really cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's all that I currently have to say about Magic Together. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more, uh, especially after the set comes out. Yeah. Uh, but any last thoughts from you? I'm just so happy that they're finally talking to each other and the choose your own adventure path concept is the best thing I've seen in magic in a long time. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, well, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support it is by, uh, reviewing it on a, the podcast service of your choice. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, I just did it for an hour. Now I, now I'm done. I'm done. I'm tapped out. Uh, but yeah, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and tell your friends about the show because that really is the best way that we, you know, get more listeners and get more interaction and keep the show going. Uh, if you would like to, uh, send in a question topic or anything else somehow related to RPG, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to keep up to date on the show, you can follow it at difficultyclass on Twitter. You can follow myself on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Allie, where can they find you? Alliebug321 on Twitter. And then you can also find me at The Roomy Rumors. I am the DM for an actual play podcast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. And so until next week, have a good game. Thank you.